0: The miracles of Jesus, number nine. The miracles of Jesus, number nine. We have gone through eight miracles so far, and the study of eight miracles, and we're look. We're going to be going, and I'll be preaching on the series until I reach all of the miracles of Jesus that happened during his life. This is a very unique miracle that we're going to be discussing today, because it has to do with uh, unlike all the rest of the miracles. Now, you remember the. the the miracle of the wedding of Cana, the very first miracle. It was just a miracle of luxury and how, you know, even if that miracle had happened, there would have been some embarrassment, but nobody would have died, okay? The life would have gone on. Uh, It would have been a major embarrassment. Then we go about the healing of Capernaum and how the nobleman's son was sick, and he was was at death's door because of a great fever, but no one else would have died. He would have died, but no one else would. And then we just go on through all the rest of the miracles, and we're, we're talking about uh, miracles of how Jesus personally touched people, uh, whether it was at the man at the pool of Bethesda, or it was the mass, uh, the casting out of demons in the synagogue, uh, the healing of Simon's mother in law, or the mass healing uh, in Capernaum as well. All of these put together, and you're not looking at any type of a of, of a uh, disease that could have been transferred. They were just miracles of personal nature. But this miracle today, we're going to be talking about something, and it's very unique, uh, because it deals with the leper. It deals with the healing of the leper. It's so unique, too, because, because this, this right here was, in back then, a very communicable disease. And even now, it's a communicable, communicable disease, somewhat, I have no graphics concerning that, and I did that on purpose. I didn't want you to see, I didn't want you to see what this actually looked like, because when I looked at some pictures, when I looked at some pictures of this, I just, I almost lost my lunch just looking at them. And so I didn't want that to inflict that upon you. But basically, it is a, it is a flesh-eating disease, uh, or it can also cause uh, huge, huge bumps and gorder-like uh, appendages to attach itself to the physical body. It's just one of these things that's almost indescribable because it does such almost a humiliation of of, of a deformity uh, to the physical body to the person who is afflicted with leprosy. I can remember when uh, the AIDS epidemic first broke out that uh, a lot of people were basically likening the AIDS epidemic to leprosy simply because of its, of its ability, or their fear of its ability. Let me say that. Their fear of its ability for anybody to basically catch it once somebody had it. And of course, that fear has now been proven untrue. Uh, there's a, there are so many scores of people that live among us, with, whether it's age or other communicable diseases, and you will never know it as long as you live. And, and and in nine times out of ten, and most likely we'll never ever know it, because it's nowhere near as communicable as it used to be because of the now the, the drugs that can be taken to help lessen its effect. But back then, during the days of Jesus, this was serious business. Yeah. This was serious business. This was the only disease whereby they quarantined people and they refused to allow them to come into the general population. And so they were, like people who first got AIDS, outcasts, total outcasts of society. They were. They were not allowed to dwell because once the word was spoken, leprosy, or back then, AIDS, once that word was spoken, immediate fear would start to, to inhabit anybody that heard the word. And they would just quickly leave. And so that's the kind of the the timing of this particular miracle. Okay, we're going to look at five verses of Scripture. Normally I would not quote you so many Scriptures, but this is the story itself, and I don't want to leave a single moment of the story out. Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. Now this, this uh, story is also found in the book of Matthew chapter 8, uh, Matthew chapter 8, and also uh, the book of Luke as well, the book of Luke uh, chapter 5. And, but I'm looking at Mark chapter 1 simply because there is a flow of timeline. Okay? Matthew it might, Matthew's not like that. We'll explain that in just a minute. But Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through verse 45. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him... Now, look at, look at, look at this phrase. If you will... You can make me clean. If you will. There was a, In just those three words, if you will, there's already an immediate belief that he can. Yeah. But see, this was not about, in the eyes of the leper, a matter if he could or not. This is a matter in his eyes. Will you make me clean? Will you make me clean? And take notice of the phraseology, Will you make me clean? He didn't say, Will you make me well? He said, Will you make me clean? And there's a reason for that. And we'll get into that as well. Okay. And Jesus moved with compassion. Put forth his hand. And touched him. And said, I will. I will will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him forthwith and sent him away. Now we'll look at this in just a little bit about what he charged him with, because this is extremely important. All right, He charged him forthwith and sent him away. And said unto him, See that you say nothing to any man. Huh? What? 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 Whoa, 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 whoa. See that you say nothing in any minute. Now, what is that all about? We're going to see in just a minute. But isn't that kind of odd that, that you would think that, you know, that you would want everybody to see that you're healed. No. The Lord said, do not. This is really important. He charged him, which means he laid this upon him as an order. Don't tell anybody about this. Okay. He said, See that you tell nothing to any man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for a cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out. Okay. He went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the manner. Don't you just love that King James phrase? And blaze abroad the manner. In so much, now listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. <clears throat> in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. And here we find one more time, one more time. Where there is something that Jesus cannot do. The price of disobedience. We're going to look into this because what he told him was extremely important. And he told him that for a very important reason. And because this man did what he did and did not obey Jesus. Despite the fact that Jesus had just cleansed him of his leprosy. Because of that the Bible says that Jesus could no more operate in an open manner. But he had to go in desert places where people would then come to him instead of him coming to them. Okay. Now, the timing of all this is very different in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. And I won't go there, but I wanted to tell you about it. That in these verses, we have an account of Christ cleansing a leper. It should seem by comparing them to Mark and Luke, uh, that in Matthew, the Bible says, he places this happening after the Sermon on the Mount. And it really didn't happen after the Sermon on the Mount. It happened, and it could have, but, 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 but of course, Matthew, Luke and Mark and all the rest of them don't talk about the Sermon on the Mount nearly as much as Matthew does. But this, the Mark talk, there's, a, there's a continual flow from the last miracle into this miracle in the book of Mark, and that's why I chose Mark. But Matthew puts it in the timeline of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a reason for it. And that was because that Matthew, he was again talking in his letter to the Jews. This was for the Jewish nation. And it was important for the Jews to know his doctrine before they knew his works. In Matthew's eyes, this was a timing thing. That it was important for them to know about his doctrine. And that is why it came after the Sermon on the Mount, where he had the Beatitudes and, and how we should pray and, and, and offer ourselves and all of these things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and it's on the Sermon on the Mount. It was more important in Matthew's eyes for the Jews to know what he believed before they knew what he could do. Right. It was a matter of time for him. And I want to relate that to us as well. Because there is a need to be aware of timing when we are witnessing to people. Yes. There is a need of a matter of timing before we witness to people. You know, here's the thing. In most cases, you know, us, us, uh, we being a charismatic church, simply a God church, when we go out and tell people about our church. We're more than likely to hear, people will be more than likely to hear phrases of Holy Ghost, anointing. People falling out. Oh, we don't have a whole lot. But, but we did last week, yes. But falling out and, and all of this kind of stuff. Now, that is good unless you know nothing about this. If you're from a congreg- an, an organization, let's just say, and this is no slam against them, it's just a matter of doctrine, the Baptist. Who believe basically not only did the Holy Ghost go out, but the apostles and pretty much everything else went out with the apostles. Okay? And so all of this stuff the Holy Ghost, anointing, people falling out, it just this is like like scaring them half to death. All right? Because if this is what we're coming about, you're coming in when we start talking about that before they even know us what, what we're all about. Before they even know us, we start talking about that. People will just go and vote the red flag automatically. And more than likely, we lose them simply because they have no idea what we're actually talking about. That it's okay. If people fall out, they get back up. <laughs> yes, they get back up. Okay? It don't mean you're going to fall out. All right? Or or you. Or, well, well maybe you. But, but <laughs> maybe Sherry. Sherry's actually got a spot in this church right there, okay? But uh, but but there's nothing to be afraid of. But here's the thing: if we start talking about all this from the very beginning to describe our church, people could get we could turn. I don't want to use the word turning them off, turn them off. But we could scare them before they've even had a chance to find out who we are. And that is why when we are not only witnessing to other people, but when we're talking to other people about our church and about God and about what He's doing in this place, you need to have and. Begin a relationship with these people. Let them get used to you. Let them start liking you. And I'm just not talking on Facebook. I'm talking about liking you as a person. We still do that. Amen. I'm not talking about liking on Facebook. I'm talking about them liking you, period. Yeah. Right. Having a relationship with you. Right. So that you can then discern what is the need in their life. Yeah. What kind of need then could Jesus touch in their life? Because once you've recognized that need, now you've got the open door, and you can come in and you can tell them what God can do for them. That's right. And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's why I believe in in, when, when, in witnessing to people. I'm not a big old door-to-door person. I really am not. You know, I'm not. I don't want anybody to get me mixed up with JWs and with Mormons. Okay? So I don't go door to door, all right? I really don't go to door to door. I would much rather have build a relationship with people and tell them about God through yeah. my relationship with them. And that is exactly what I have done. That is exactly how I've, I've, what I've done in my life. Okay, but because it's a matter of timing, you don't want to scare people off before they even had a chance to get to know you. And this was the reason that Matthew put the timing in, in this miracle like he did. Now let's look at leprosy. In the days of Jesus, leprosy was not considered a sickness as much as it was considered, listen to this, a judgment of God. And that's erroneous, but it was considered a judgment of God. And as a matter of fact, this leprosy was called the finger of God. The finger of God or the stroke of God. Now, because it was considered the judgment of God, erroneously, but that was the perception. Because it was considered the judgment of God for some type of a hideous, heinous sin, then it only could be removed by God. And who is God's representative during the days of Jesus? Somebody tell me. Who is God's representative during the days of Jesus? Jesus. The priest so if you want to cut all that down, only the priest can release you if you've been, actually been healed. Only the priest can actually release you. Yeah. because it was a ceremonial judgment and their perception. So it was not enough for him just to be now going about the uh, and thrilling about the, the, the city and countryside, telling everybody, I used to be a leper. I used to be a leper. I don't have to cry and clean. It was not not cool. Why? Because Jesus said, you need to go and show yourself to the priest and bring an offering with you, by the way, as Moses directed you. And the a matter of fact, if, if any of you who are Bible scholars, or one of the Bible scholars, uh, you know, you, you, I'll just give you this scripture as a reference, and you can look it up later. In Leviticus 14, verses 1 through 32. The, I'm telling you, if you were a leper, and even if you got healed, there was a mountain of stuff to go through before the priest would actually call you clean. And you, you know what? The priest had to pronounce you clean before then, He would release you to come back into the general population. Now we know why Jesus gave Him instruction the way that He did. Yeah. Jesus was just going according to the law of Moses Himself and doing the right thing in, in order. In a pro- do, do, you not realize, do you not realize that God loves order? That things work when things are in an orderly fashion. Glory to God. Everything works better when it's in an orderly fashion, including the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this was the first of several miracles where Jesus would also acquaint Himself with a forgiveness of sins, with a miracle of healing, proving to all who looked upon Him that He was the Lord of both. See, let's go back to the miracle, and it was a judgment of God that he was called unclean, the finger of God, the stroke of God. In other words, he had committed some a heinous sin, and this was God's judgment upon him. But the moment that Jesus said, "I will," and the Bible says that he reached over and he touched. touched that not only did he heal him of this hideous, hideous affliction, but by their own law he forgave him of whatever sin they perceived that cost it. Thus, he was showing everybody, I am the Lord of forgiveness and I am the Lord of healing as well. And that... That's why Jesus gave him the instruction. Go show yourself to the priest. And another reason, this was the first time since the law of Moses was given concerning lepers that anybody that was in Israeli was healed. The first time. And if he had done what he had said, And he had presented himself to the priest with the offering as Moses commanded him to do. And if he had gone through all of the ritual that the priest would have put him through, and if he had done so, then the priest, by the law of Moses, would have had to admit, God has come down and we are living in a different age. Let me tell you something. That was what the Lord Jesus wanted to happen. But what happened was disobedience took place and Jesus could no more openly go into the city because of it. And he probably, this man's, this leper's disobedience, probably hastened the death of Jesus and pro- and, and hastened his ministry Might have lasted longer had he not disobeyed Jesus. Incredible. How many times, though, has God blessed us in our life, whether it's been through the healing of a body, blessing us with a job we've been wanting, or a miracle? Or done something fantastic in our life, and he gives us instruction. Okay? I've healed you now. Now it's time for your life to change a little bit. Now it's time for you to come closer to me. Now it's time for you to get involved with my body. Yeah. And there's been a whole lot of times that we have sacrificed. That we have sacrificed. Now here's the thing. I've asked, you know, there have been, there've been a lot of times... Over my lifetime where people have asked God for specific jobs. We'd pray for them. God would give them that job. Only that job later on kept them away from church. And somehow they forgot that it was God who gave them that to begin with. And that which God wanted, God wanted to give them for a blessing has now become a curse. Because instead of following the instructions that God lays out, we decide to do what we jolly well want to do. And the kingdom sometimes suffers because of it. Let me tell you something. God is, you know, this is so beautiful, this story right here, because it's not a matter in our life as well. It's not a matter of God can do something. It, we're looking at will you do it for me? Yes. I think most of us know God can do something will it's a matter will you do it for me and I'm here to tell you he will he will he will, he will he will he will he, will. Will. he will. will, he will all the time he will this is not a question up for discussion. he will. will the question then remains after that are we going to follow the instructions after he does it? Or are we going to put the kingdom in a place or put ourselves in a place of compromise? Because that is exactly what this leper did. Okay, so, now I want to talk to you about the leper's approach to, to Jesus, which was really beautiful. See, we did not know how the leper found out or heard about Jesus or even how he even would believe that Jesus could heal him. Uh, eight miracles have happened to this point. Go to this next, uh, this next slide here, Brian. Uh, right here, you see this right here? Uh, this little boy hiding behind the bushes. This is how I believe the leper probably found out about Jesus, because eight miracles have already happened, and so I imagine that, bet- but in all of this time that these miracles are happening, uh, there is a leper hiding behind a bush someplace, or hiding behind a rock someplace where he cannot be seen. See, not too close for people to notice, but close enough to get intel, because we have otherwise we have no idea. How this leper even knew about Jesus, knew that he could heal his leprosy, or knew that he wouldn't heal his leprosy. We got no idea. So I suspect this is what happened. See, because if he comes into the general population where Jesus is, whether it's at the wedding of Cana, or whether it's at the nobleman's house in Capernaum, or whether it is at uh, Simon's mother or the synagogue, immediately he has got to cry, Unclean! 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 And if he had not done so and given people enough time to scatter, okay, they would have taken up rocks and they would have killed him. So I think what happened was that he hid himself behind some bushes or rocks, Because they heard about the man of Galilee who was performing miracles. And maybe, just maybe, this man will cleanse me of this hideous infirmity. And I can have friends again. And I believe that's what happened. Get behind some bushes or some rocks. Can I tell you that sin is a parallel of this leprosy, because that it shuts us out from our communion with God. Sin is like this: that when we either willfully, or sometimes even unwillfully, that some that we get ourselves into a place that. Maybe we would not have gotten in beforehand, but we, one way or the other we've gotten into a place that is at odds with God. And when we get into a place, whether willfully or unwillfully, that we are in odds with God, we have gotten out of communion with Him. Out of communion. Matter of fact, let me read you a scripture that really points this out. Okay? It's in Isaiah 59 and verse 12. And it says this, or 1 through 2. Excuse me. 59, 1 through 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot say. It is neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his faith from you so that he will not hear. So that when we're holding stuff in our life that we know is displeasing to God. That we know is displeasing to our, to His Word. You need to, be, you need to realize that this scripture says right here when this happens and we're holding stuff in our life that is displeasing to Him that He's hid His face from us and He will not listen to what we have to say. Because we regard that which we're holding above the communion with Him. Yeah. Sin is like that. Sin is like that. See, now the leper's approach here to get his his body cleansed was this. In Matthew, the Bible says he worshipped him. In Mark, it says he knelt down. In Luke, it says that he fell on his face. So who's right? All of them. No problem in believing that this man knelt down and that he worshipped him and fell on his face before the Lord and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me. They had three different ways of describing what this man did. He worshipped, he knelt down, he fell on his face. And that is important. Because this leper right here lets us know, not only through the leprosy and the healing of our body, but from anything else with God. The only way... That we're going to get to God is through humility, our humility and our liter- not maybe not literally, but inside of our heart, falling on our face before the Lord, knowing, and as Lamentations chapter three says, knowing that it is of the Lord's verses that we're not consumed, but His compassion fails not, for it is new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness, O Lord. We only, get one, we only get to God one way, and that is through the, His mercy and His grace and, our, and our, our, our breaking our own heart toward Him. It happens through humility. Now, the Lord's approach was this. The Bible says that He put forth His hand and He touched Him. He put forth His hand and He touched Him. Now you see, now we're going to separate the men from the boys here. Because if the the Lord is anything else but who He actually is, then Him reaching forth, two things happen. He has now made Himself vulnerable to the same disease, but more importantly, He has made Himself spiritually unclean Himself because if you touch the unclean, you have become unclean as well except he was who he was and he he is today who he is all right he reached out and touched him the leprosy was a a loathsome disease yet christ touched him for he did not disdain to converse with publicans and sinners to do them good. There was a ceremonial pollution contracted by the touch of a leper. But then Jesus would show that when he conversed with sinners, he was in no danger being infected by them. Oh, glory to God! Oh, glory to God! Isn't it incredible that God can open a door for you to, to, to talk, whether, whether it be to drunkards, Or whether it would be to harlots or or AIDS or any other disease... Or God would open up a door for you to even talk to bikers. Or in Corey and Mickey's case, that God would open a door for them to talk to, to uh, an Iranian, you know, and, and those of the Muslim religion. Whether God, that, that you don't have to be infected by them. That God can cause glory to come upon you and that your words can have yeah. can have greatness in their life and cause their lives to be changed by God's power. Amen. They can be changed. And I'm telling you, once you see them come to the Lord, you'll be changed as well. That's right. Amen. But what happened in Jesus touched him, and then he commanded, he said, I will, be thou clean. And then the Bible says that, the, that it left him clean and he was healed of that disease. So first there was a contact. Go ahead, go ahead to the next one. First, there was the contact, and then there was the command. And then there was the cure. First, there's the contact. Secondly, there's the command. And thirdly, there's the cure. Which I'm going to wrap this up by saying this right here. Folks, we're not going to get anywhere, in this, not only in this community, but in life itself, if first of all we don't have any contact with sinners. All right? That we don't have contact with sinners. There's not going to be no command. And there's not going to be no cure. For anyone without the contact first. Yeah. God that is what I am imploring. Because now we're going to. Now that North Star is over with. And we've got most of the stuff done in our renovation. Now we're going to get down to business. To winning this community for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you right now. We're going to come in contact with them. We're going to come in contact with them. I want to come in contact with, in contact with single mothers. I want to come in contact with single fathers. I want to come in contact with divorced people. I want to come in contact with with families that are having problems in their marriage and in their home. I want to come in contact with people that are sick. I want to come in contact with people that have lost their way. I want to come in contact with people that don't even know what their purpose is. I want to come in contact with all of these people because Jesus can affect a cure in their life. Oh praise the Lord forevermore. Jesus can effect a cure into their life. You see, if we're going to be the church that God intended for us, we're going to have to make contact with people. Glory to God forevermore. Okay, and as I said, this miracle came with instruction. He said, tell no man, but show yourself to the priest, lest he who cured thee, he, he out of spite deny you a certificate of that cure, and so keep you in confinement. Yeah. So as it turned out, despite the fact that this man now was cured of his disease, he could, he could still no longer live in the general population because he did not have the certificate of cleansing from the priest. And if he had done what Jesus had said, he not only would have been able to be into the population, he might have found family again, he might have found friends again, but as it happened, None of those things took place because of his disobedience. Okay. I want to end with this scripture. Hebrews 12 and 1. Go to that scripture. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore seeing that we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Notice it gives you two categories. It gives you a category of weight and then it gives you a category of sin. Which means the two are not necessarily the same exact thing. There are weights and then there are sins. that So easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Can I tell you that I don't believe that we have, as a whole, a lot of problem with sin. But I think every one of us in this place has got a problem with weights. And we're trying to live life and live life more abundantly with a ball and chain being drugged behind us. It's not that we can't get someplace. It's just a chore to do so. Because of the fact that we're allowing weights. I say the word, we're allowing weights to be placed upon our life. Weights that Jesus said, let us lay aside. Every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And that word beset there means <coughs> it means to violently interfere with a runner. Wow. It's, almost like, it's almost like if you can imagine for a second, you in a race, a re, a, whether it's a relay race or a single race, you're in a race and all of a sudden somebody comes right up against you and they push you off the track. That's the picture that it gives about these weights. You're trying to run a race with a ball and chain tied to your ankle. And I think that the body of Christ, but more specifically this church, that we have a problem with weights. I'm certain that you're probably thinking of all the sins that you don't do, okay, and all the things that you're not a part of, and that's great. Thank God for it, but I think that there are weights. So with that, I'm going to close this down. I want you to bow your head for just a second.